Happy Friday, everybody. It is August the 23rd, 2019. August the 23rd? Where did the summer go? Jason, summer is over in like two weeks. I know. Officially. I'm so sad. What happened? I don't know. It was just gay pride in here like just yesterday. It's the beginning of summer. And now it's like almost Labor Day. It's a blur. <laughs> it is a complete blur. The rest of the country, of course, is on fire. The Brazilian rainforests are on fire. Absolutely so. tragic. Sadly, really awful. Those are the lungs of the earth right there burning up. What is it, like 20% of <clears throat> the earth's oxygen? Yeah, it comes out of the Amazon rainforest. Ridiculous. Yeah, and the, the rainforest is being consumed by wildfires, and everybody, that affects us wherever we are. I mean, th- mm. this is crazy that the government down there can't get together, and of course, Donald's being of absolutely no help. He's too busy tweeting about this or that. What I'm wondering is, why are we just hearing about this, like, after three weeks of it burning. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm just glad because we've been distracted with the knucklehead's tweets. That's of course. why. Because he's been claiming himself the chosen one. <sighs> that was this week. And, you know, I am the king of Israel and king of the Jews. Of and we're like, oh my God. <laughs> Would somebody 5150 him? Just take him against his will into a mental hospital because he's just <laughs> destroying the planet and destroying the nation. But we're all here, gang, and we're laughing, and we're not going to let it you know, take us down because there will come a day when Donald will go bye-bye in that Air Force One helicopter to go back to New York City or Federal Penitentiary, one of the two, and we will all do a great sigh of relief. Might be soon. Oh, I hope so, Jason. I hope so. All right. In the meantime, what do we got coming up today? So today we're going to start out with Seth Olmberg. He heads up, uh, I think he's one of the co-creators, if I'm not mistaken, of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, which is an LGBTQ and straight ally film festival celebrating diversity uh, in filmmaking. And I know that Outfest does their own diversity work separately from their annual film fest here in L.A., but these guys are dedicated to diversity, and we're going to hear from them and hear what they're working on. Their film festival premieres this weekend. And then after that, we're going to have some representatives from the Republic of Taiwan, uh, a Taiwanese uh, government, of course, one of the very few in Asia to legalize same-gender marriages. And uh, they're very proud of that. They wanted to come on the air and talk about it. And uh, I have to admit, I've never been to Taiwan. I've been to Beijing. I've been to China. But I've never been to Taiwan. And uh, it's on my list, uh, along with Hong Kong. But things are really tense right now between Beijing and Hong Kong and Taiwan. And so... Uh, I'm not sure how sensitive that is of a topic for them, but you know, you guys know me. I'll talk about anything. <laughs> if my guests squirm or if they blush, it's like, oh, okay, went a little too far, over the line. And if that happens, I'll take it back. I'll step back. I don't want to get anybody in trouble with China. I don't want to get anybody in trouble with Beijing. Um, and then finally, at the end of the show, we're going to wrap it up with West uh, Sigmiller and people from SWAP. The sex workers outreach program, uh, I mean, sex work is as old as human civilization. You go all the way back in the Bible, all the way back to the days of, oh God, who was the great harlot of the Old Testament? Now I'm I'm blanking. Jezebel. Maybe it's Jezebel. Uh, but I mean, obviously, the tale of Mary Magdalene being a, a prostitute, which she wasn't, by the way. <laughs> Studies have shown, research has shown that, in fact, she was not, but the early Catholic Church demonized her by turning her into a prostitute. But the reality is that sex work has been around in every culture, in every place, 
and in the LGBT community as well. Well, the sad part is is that sex workers, whether they be gay men or whether they be trans women or uh, heterosexual women, any any category at all, are often subjected to violence, violence uh, by their johns who beat them up, or violence by their pimps if they have a pimp, or violence by police. And they live in shadowy worlds, uh, detached from many major institutions, including government, law enforcement, religion, community. And uh, you know what? It's time to bring them out of the shadows because uh, we're not going to be able to deal with the issues that they're confronting, and they are confronting many. Violence, discrimination, stigma, access to health care, HIV, addiction and alcoholism, homelessness, you name it, they've got those issues, but they don't have the same sort of access to resources because of the stigma that surrounds the work that they're engaged in. It's like everybody doesn't want to talk about it. Well, you know what? We're talk radio. We talk about everything we want to. And we're going to be talking to some of them today. They're having actually a panel next week in West Hollywood on August the 29th uh, to start to bring a lot of these issues out into the open. And I know their efforts are being duplicated in San Francisco, in New York City. And wherever you're listening in, uh, hopefully uh, this kind of work can be replicated everywhere because no matter who you are or what you do or how you live, nobody should be subjected to violence, discrimination, or inequality. And so uh, let's get it out on the table then. We'll talk about it. So that's our lineup. When we come back, we'll be talking to Seth Elmberg from the Diversity Film Festival here on Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I sorry, Jason. I'm gonna let that play a little longer because I just love that song, <laughs> especially that rendition. Hooray for Hollywood and hooray because it's the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, the sixth annual, kicking off this weekend, August 22nd, 24th, and we are joined in studio with one of the founders of that organization, Seth Holmberg. Welcome, Seth. Thank you. Now, tell us the story. You and your cousin started this. Uh, my cousin Sonia Maru. Uh, her and I were part of the original founding of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival six years ago. Uh, it was founded by Hollis McLaughlin, and we wanted to showcase stories from around the world as told through film. Wow. Now tell me about your background, because that's, I mean, to just launch, I'm looking at you, you're a gorgeous, beautiful, white guy. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, and I know you're here in Los Angeles, but you, I know because we talked about it, you came from a small town in Nevada. And how does one go from a small town of 5,000 people in Ely, Nevada, to running the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival? That's a journey. It is a journey. Um, but I guess I've always felt like um, maybe not part of the status quo. Obviously, coming from a small town and being gay, there weren't a lot of people that were out. Um, so I came to Los Angeles 10 years ago, and my cousin Sonia was... Uh, had already been living here and we just clicked uh we both have a background in film uh, we both studied film in college and uh she invited me to 
uh, be part of this. And um, since then, she's taken over as the festival director. Mm. And um, we just, it's, we've grown and grown, and this is our sixth year. That's amazing. Congratulations. That means you've got continuity and longevity going with you. Yes. What is happening this weekend? What, what's being showcased in the film festival? So um, tonight we have a, a block of shorts. Um, there are six shorts um, about young Americans. That's the, t- the title of the film block. Uh, it starts at 730, by the way, if you're in Los Angeles. It's $10 gets you in. Uh, six shorts uh, showcasing stories about people their American experience and their all different um, ethnicities and backgrounds. Um, one of the shorts is starring uh, Jackie Cruz and Lori Petty from mm-hmm. Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie will be there tonight. Oh, awesome. Um, so we're excited to have them, and it's just uh, all, all different kinds of stories. Wow, really cool. And uh, and by diversity, uh, it obviously includes LGBTQ, but it sounds like you're even broader than that in different nations, different ethnicities, race. We are. We want to tell as many different stories um, as we can. So we have uh, a lot of stories coming from uh, or about disabled people, LGBTQ, uh, women, people of color. We want to showcase everybody's story because I think empathy is something this country really needs right now. The whole world. The yeah. whole world could use a little bit more empathy. We're not getting much help from the White House these days. so We're not. Yeah. So we have to do the work. <laughs> now, putting this together, did you and or your team start working on this many, many months ago, trying to find people to submit their, their yeah, work? Yeah, we start as soon as the, the festival's over. We open submissions, and people can submit. You can go to LADFF.com if you're interested in submitting a film. Um, yeah, we work on this all year. Mm. Uh, preparing to to do a good job show you know setting up a nice venue and how many people you think you'll have come through the festival this weekend gosh um in the thousands we hope yeah yeah we started last night we had an amazing turnout um many emotional films people were really moved Mm. um and we go until saturday Anything from the uh, Muslim community? I'm asking because my darling uh, producer over here is a member of the Muslim community. Oh, so. Yes, um, yeah. there was an amazing um, film uh, by a Muslim filmmaker last night that premiered, and it was the story of a man who had kidney problems, and he had to make the very harrowing decision to sell his child um, for a kidney. And hmm. this is happening in the Middle East, you know, um, I guess not the best access to medicine. And yeah, this is a true story? Insurance. It's a documentary or a I, docudrama? Or? It, it was a narrative short film. Okay. Um, I don't know if it, it may have... I'm sure there are truthful elements mm. to that. You really do see... Um, you know, Film, to me, is one of the greatest mediums of art because you can really... It's a looking glass into whatever story you're telling. So with these films, you're seeing things that you may not think about at all. Right. You know, hundreds of years ago, of course, Hans Christian Andersen, Edgar Allan Poe, Emily Bronte, they all were authors. They wrote stories and created art through written form. For this this particular art form is just over 100 years old, mm-hmm. right? just over 100 years old, and it got a lot of its start here in Los Angeles. Is that what drew you here to, to come live in L.A. 10 years ago? Oh, I'm sure there's part of that, yes. <laughs> okay. and, uh, the, and the cute boys. Yes. <laughs> when I was watching The Wizard of Oz from my hometown, you know, dreaming of... Uh, Judy Garland and the Yellow Brick Road. It led to L.A. in some way or another. That was filmed in Culver City, by the way. <laughs> yes. Have you been to the studio where it was filmed? 
kind of they still have some like attributes to the munchkins all the little people who were there on set yeah, yeah. no i need to check that out yeah it, it's really kind of cool i'm really curious uh because I, I love learning about what moves people because obviously this is your passion i mean you picked it up six years ago you studied it in college uh, you're making your own films so something must have resonated with you at some point that you said this is what i want to do was there a point like that in your life um, I think coming to LA and seeing that it's an industry of real people that just have ideas and um, I decided that that's what I wanted to do but I would say that as a kid you know you realize the magic of film and right. how it can shape our views our world views and right. how important it really is yeah you already referenced The Wizard of Oz was there another film or two that were really inspirational for a young gay kid in the middle of Ely Ellie or Ely Ely Ely, Ely. 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 and it's Nevada Pop. not Nevada Nev I'm sorry I made it Latino I made it Latino <laughs> Nevada okay. <laughs> in the middle of Nevada I also Americanize it was there a film or two that really uh, moved you Oh, it was, I loved TV. I loved, um, you know, Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie. And of course. I Love Lucy. The, all the fantasy shows. Yes. Yeah, but you're too young to know. Those are my generation. Those all came out in the 60s. But they're the best. They are, they are the best. <laughs> they are the best. Uh, how about, uh, I, I'm just curious, since you like those fantasy films, I mean, the Harry Potter film and the Lord of the Rings, I mean, those are all examples of fantasy. It doesn't really do it for you. No, I, it needs to have a little bit more glitter in there for me to <laughs> <laughs> that's you know. interesting so by glitter okay I get it well, how Hed Hedwig and the Angry Inch actually that's one of my favorite Hedwig LGBTQ is amazing. films yes and that is an amazing one yes yeah. um, and it was my cousin my hetero heterosexual cousin who introduced me to that film really so, wow yes. now I've never seen the film or I've only know I only know some of the songs uh, because I used to sing in the gay men's chorus of Los Angeles and we performed some of the songs from the Broadway musical yeah yes it's such good music but such a good story so creative do you have a lot of women submitting films uh, for yes. this weekend what, yes. what's the ratio of women to men oh gosh well last night um, I think that we had four or five, I think four female directors, um, two of them women of color. So yes, we, um, you know, we, I don't want to say that we cater, but you know, the minorities, uh, those are the people that we're trying to showcase. Now, have everybody, you, but have you seen every film that's uh, participating in the festival? Have I will be them? honest, I have not seen every <laughs> okay. film, all right. um, but I'm familiar with all of them. Um, you know, you can go to LADFF.com and check out all of the different uh, trailers. We have trailers and descriptions of all of the shorts. Uh -huh. um, there's a, a, a lot of them. So, And LADFF, Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival, right? Yeah. That's it. Are there longer films besides the shorts? Are they all shorts? Yes, we, um, we have features. There's actually a feature tonight called uh, The Extraordinary Ordinary. Um, and I know it's going to be a packed house. They have all of the... People from the film are coming. You know, we local filmmakers bring a, a big crew. All their family and friends yeah, come. Of course. So. Yeah. What extraordinary, ordinary? What? What? Is, what is it about? Do you know? Uh, it is about a uh, a story of a few years after a traumatic high school experience, when a young ph photography student moves across the country from New York to Southern California in search of a fresh start. She quickly finds that she is not alone in her struggles with anxiety and depression. Well, there you go. That could be just about <laughs> any of our stories coming to Amen. Los Angeles. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to learn a bit more about Seth and his uh, background in history and the film festival. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Selling a little... 
or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back gang we are talking with seth elmberg from the los angeles diversity film festival which is kicking off this weekend here in la and um I, seth i didn't ask you in the first segment but um you are a filmmaker also you've made your own films yes what kind of films have you uh, made? Uh, well, I lean towards documentary. Um, I'm working on a project right now about a woman who sells roses in West Hollywood. Maria de la Rosa. Si. <laughs> Maria de la Rosa. Jason, if you're ever in West Hollywood, she's at the Abbey all the time, and she calls out, I can't even do it, roses? Oh, come on, John, I'm not even Latin. Rosas? Rosas? <laughs> Seth, Seth pulled it off even better than I could. <laughs> you did pretty good, too, Jay. That was pretty hey, good. I'm good uh, with my R's. That was pretty good rolling of the R. <laughs> I, I love her. She's great. Me and too. She's been an institution in West Hollywood for like 20-some years. But yes. how great that you're doing a documentary on her life. Yeah, we got some funding from the city of West Hollywood. Yes, us. Yay, us. Yes, Yay, thank you guys we so are. much. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and Lucas, uh, my better half at one time, helped Luke, us with that. Lucas so John Junk. Gotta yeah. send him some love. And um, so we're, I'm working on a documentary about her right now that should premiere actually at the LEDFF next year. Oh. So you'll have to come out. I would love to do that. Maybe even give her a city resolution or proclamation as part of the film festival. Yeah, get, yeah give her city. a key. Yeah, a key to the city. <laughs> I get it for Stormy Daniels. I'm sure I can do it for Maria De La Rosa. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's really a cool documentary. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what, have, what other types of films have you made? Are they all documentaries? I've worked on a lot of films, uh, mostly independent film, mm. um, music videos, narrative uh, shorts uh -huh. features i've worked on all kinds of stuff commercials very very cool now the guys uh, the people that uh, guys i shouldn't say guys the men and women and those in between that are submitting films this weekend are they from just the u.s are they from around the world or they're from all over the world oh yeah, that's we fantastic. Have filmmakers submitting from all over the world very very cool that's really great so since you've done filmmaking and we've got people submitting from all over the world when a project goes from like an idea like at some point you had an idea Hey, Maria De La Rosa, she's a pretty interesting local character. I should make a documentary about her. From that moment to the actual presentation at a film festival, what is that? A year? Two? Longer? Well, it just depends on so many different, I guess, constraints. Um, 
I want to get a lot of footage, so I've been spending time with her going out on the weekends, and sort of the more that I collect, the more I'm able to edit what I and get what I the story that I'm trying to tell. That's as true. A filmmaker. I guess a large portion ends up on the editing room floor. If the there's so-called B-roll, the right? B-roll, yeah. Then the B-roll too, yeah. Of course, there's not ABC really C-roll editing room floor. That's a what back in the days, Jason. Yeah. Oh, uh, here we go. He's going to lecture me now. <laughs> you used to actually have reel to reel, and you'd have to cut. Portions I've of the heard film. about that. Yeah. Now I know it's all done on computers. So everything's yeah. digital. Yeah, yeah. So there's no longer an editing room floor, I assume. Uh, no, there's a there's a trash bin on my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that a lot of filmmaking today, especially with I'll say millennials and younger filmmakers, it's all done on a computer? Uh, yeah, I mean they still use film. Certainly, um, film is what, still. A, what would they use film for? Well, it just looks so good. Um, film, you can really tell film apart from digital. So uh, maybe, maybe like you Quentin can. Tarantino's sure new I movie can. is, I'm sure, shot on on film. Ah, you know, okay. he's an, a real auteur. He likes his film. So huh. yeah, yeah. And then, do you supply the soundtrack that goes with that uh, with the film? Like uh, when you put music into the midst of a documentary. Um, that's a bit tricky because of copyright. Uh, Maybe I'll talk to you after the show and get some legal <laughs> advice. <laughs> there you go. How to keep you out of jail. That's yeah. the only thing I know is legal advice on criminal stuff. But I, I'm always curious how, because I watch young people working on their Macs, and it's like watching the art of creation. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, you can get a lot done. Yeah, they're just like grabbing this and grabbing that and dumping this and dumping that. I'm like, wow, what used to take weeks with many multiples of people is now taking one person on a Mac. Yeah, it's amazing. And there's all kinds of video editing software. Um, you know, YouTubers, they use like what, Final Cut Pro and stuff like that. Yeah, anybody yeah. can, on your phone, you can edit stuff together. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, there's even apps. World. There's even apps for editing. Really? If you want to edit a video together, you could just go on your phone and just... Wow. Okay. Well, this is the whole brave new world. I'm blowing thing. his mind, everybody. Are, well, the first time I went behind your board, I about passed out with all those buttons and lights. I'm like, I don't even know what all this is, but I'm not touching any of it. So that is pretty amazing. So uh, if you're somebody is in Los Angeles right now or close by in the five county uh, area of greater Southern California, how would they find out about the films or get tickets for the festival this weekend? Uh, go to LADFF.com. Um, you can find all of the information, the address. Uh, it's $10 per block, or $25 gets you a weekend pass. That's, uh, you know, I would spend that much on just popcorn and soda exactly. at the AMC. It's so worth it. Come <laughs> out and support local and independent um, filmmakers and filmmakers from all over the world and support diversity, support empathy. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. I know Out Outfest has been criticized over the years for not doing enough about diversity. Mm. Uh, and I know now they've started a separate part of their film festival that's focused on just people of color and women and trans uh, filmmakers mm -hmm. but it sounds like you guys started without that's where you started yes Instead we cast the net wide because everybody belongs to the family tree of humanity you know when yeah. like everybody gets a, a seat at the table at our festival so where did, I, I mean where did that come from seth i mean you're like what 20 something yeah 30 something. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, that's a compliment Jeez, then, you, right? You look 20 something. You <laughs> look 20 you. something. I'll take that. But yeah. you're, you're 30 something. Yeah. And, and you've got these very strong beliefs about compassion and empathy and diversity. Does that come from being a little queer kid? And it does. Eli, Nevada? It does. Ely. 
Yeah. <laughs> At least I said Nevada, right? I got a rep. Time. There's only 5,000 <laughs> of us. You got a rep. <laughs> um, it does. I was just having a conversation with my dad, who still lives in Ely and, you know, leans a little bit more conservative. And God bless him. I mean, I've learned so much from him. Um, but we were talking about what it feels like to be on the other side of the tracks from the status quo mm. and how that does shift your perspective into uh, a point of view that what we're told as a society our cultural conditioning is not always true and you have to break out of that mold to see the larger picture that we're all part of the same family we when one of us hurts we all hurt mm. you know mm. there's a great song that was written by an african-american composer in the 1920s billy not billy porter billy I, i'm blanking on the name right now but anyway the song is called the other side of the tracks and of course it has to do with the fact that he was black in a world that was largely white and always feeling like he was from the other side of the tracks but he's also writing it from a, the perspective of a gay african-american in the 1920s mm. who talks about being on the other side of the tracks in so many more ways than just mm. race and i'm gonna bl i'm gonna come up with that name look jason's already googling I think it i might know who you're talking about yeah it's he billy some strike strike uh, uh he also wrote a beautiful not strayhorn no billy no i can't that's who it. i was thinking <laughs> other side of the tracks billy something i see if we had a call-in show people could call him right now and say duran don't you know it's billy see, it, it'll come that. to me at some point but it's a great song that was the whole uh -huh. point it was a, a really great song about the other side of the tracks well um uh, we're almost coming to a close but i hope people turn out for your film festival and yes thank you for uh for doing this incredible thank you work. for having us yeah we're there all weekend uh Tonight we have a, a block of short films. Tomorrow our uh, documentary block starts at 3 p.m. Um, and then we finish up at 9.30. We have a comedy block, one of which um, is uh, being submitted by one of our festival partners, Nicholas Ibarra. Uh, it's called Oh Joy, and I might just have a cameo in that short. Oh, so. wow. Okay. All right. Oh Joy with a, with a Seth Omberg cameo. I love that. I love that. So come check it out. All right. Gang, that's Seth Omberg, Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Check it out. And if you're a filmmaker, start submitting your submission for next year already, huh? When we come back, we'll be talking to some of the gang here from Taiwan about what's happening in Taiwan for LGBT people here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Gang, we are traveling to Asia today here on the sidebar because we're going to be talking about Taiwan. And I have to admit that I am one of these Americans that knows absolutely zero to nothing about Taiwan. Uh, so I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn with all the rest uh, of you. I have been to Beijing uh, twice, but I have never uh, visited Taiwan yet. Um, and we are joined in studio by Peter and Isaac. Welcome, Peter. Welcome, Isaac. Thank you. It's good Thank to you. be here. Thank you. Glad, glad to have you guys here. And 
you two um, are, were you both born in Taiwan? Or? Yeah, both born in Taiwan, and we got married here. We were planning on getting married in Taiwan since it got legalized. Yeah. What? Okay, and they're a couple, gang. They're both taken. So sorry if any of you were interested. They're both taken. They married one another. Um, Taiwan just legalized same gender marriage, right? Recently. Yes. The first country in Asia to do that. The first in Asia. I'm proud to say. Wow. Yeah. Very, very. That yeah. must have been extraordinary. Now, I, um, I I founded an organization called Equality California way, mm-hmm. way back in 2000, like almost 20 years ago, I started an organization with the mission to legalize marriage for California. Mm-hmm. It was hard. It was hard. <laughs> you know? And California, yeah. it was a very liberal place, right? West Hollywood, yeah. San Francisco. But it was really hard, primarily because California's diversity, there's a, a, a large cultural push mm-hmm. towards man and woman getting married having children passing on the genes like that's an incredible push in the culture of latinos i think of asians of african-americans and california being home to all those cultures is the same was the same true in taiwan do you know was it hard to get it through it was hard the only thing that is not as hard is that okay taiwan is an island that we don't really have that strong like christian background Right. Oh, so yeah. Um, so people they don't really okay. People from different religious background, ethnic backgrounds, they don't really um, unite together to oppose this bill. Right. Yeah. So Taiwan is it, is it Buddhism and Muslim or or what is it? We have about only uh, yeah. Is that a mixture of Buddhism and Taoism? Only like less than five percent of Christians, ah. and they are the most vocal one. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In this country, too. They are yeah. the most vocal ones. They are the most vocal ones. All right. Yeah. All right. We have got uh, Alex is joining us on the phone mm-hmm. also, and uh, we're going to add him on to the show now. Uh, Alex, are you there? Can you hear us? Uh, yes. Uh, hi, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, welcome. We're here in studio with Peter and Isaac, and we were just talking about the legalization of, uh, of marriage in Taiwan recently. Wonderful. Yeah. Now, where are you calling in from? I'm calling from Diamond Bar. Oh, Diamond Bar. Okay, I thought you were going to say Beijing. <laughs> you're just in Diamond Bar, man. You're just, you're just down the 60 freeway. <laughs> yeah, it's very close. Yeah. I, I was telling the guys before you jumped on the show, I've been to Beijing twice, and it was a, a fascinating uh, place to be, and I got to see everything from the uh, the palace to the to the, the Great Wall to uh, Tiananmen Square. It was an incredible trip to see all that. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, but I've not been to Taiwan, and I think it should be on my bucket list. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, Taiwan is pretty, you know, uh, similar to uh, Beijing, I would say, because it's all the, you know, Chinese culture, uh, you know, influence. But I do believe it has its own, you know, unique experience right. as well. Well, I think, okay, so, I, and I already told the guys, I confess that I know little to nothing about Taiwan. <laughs> so if I say anything that's wrong, Please correct me, okay? Mm. But I, I think that the history of Taiwan is that it was one of the colonies of Great Britain. At one time, Great Britain colonized uh, Taiwan. Uh, no, uh, see, I'm already wrong. They're both like, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to get corrected now, gang. Where's that? The, yeah, Japan. The Spanish, and then the Dutch for 38 years, the Japanese for 50 years, and then the Chinese. So it's this. What? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the Spanish, my people, my people actually uh, had yeah. an interest in Taiwan. So, I know I had, the tip of Taiwan. I did not know that. I did not so know. So that's 
why it is so open-minded. Like for the Chinese New Year, when we go home, four generations speaks four different gen- uh, languages. languages. Yeah. Wow. And then Denmark uh, for a period of time, and then Japan, and then uh, China. Dutch. 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 For Dutch. 38 years. Wow. That Dutch, is. Spanish, <laughs> yes. and Qing Dynasty, China, and Japan. Ming Dynasty, China, and Japan for 50 years. I did not realize <laughs> it had that history. I, I only knew about the Brit. I, I thought the British, but apparently I was wrong. So. And now it's heavily influenced by the American culture. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. Now, what is the. Po- I know it's an island, so really big island, right? Yeah. What, what's the population of Taiwan? 23 million people. Okay, that's a nice size city. <laughs> that's a big country, 23 million people. That's uh, you know. about the same population as Australia. Okay, got it, got it. That's amazing. Yeah. And and did this influence of all these different cultures impact the the Taiwanese culture in any way? It does. As I as I as I mentioned earlier, it's a mixture of different cultures. So you can feel like the Taiwanese. We have the traditional Chinese culture, but then somehow we act like Japanese as well so everything is all mixed and then you get the cutest boys over there well I can, there's two of them here in studio with me now so I, I get that that's, yeah. a, that's awesome yeah because sometimes we also have the Taiwanese Aboriginal people mm. so you know you have Pacific Islanders every every like people from different ethnic background cultural backgrounds all mixed together cutest boys <laughs> there you go so that's a good point because uh so many different countries live different cultures in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So in Taiwan, you can enjoy like different food, different ex- like cultural experience, like Spanish culture, Dutch yeah. culture, yes. Japanese culture, yeah. and traditional Chinese culture. After I mean KMT, Chiang Kai Shek brought people here. He also brought all cultures in different provinces in China to Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Oh, very very cool. So having never been there, and and Alex, by the way, jump in whenever you wish because I'm, I'm not able to look you in the eye like I am the guys here. But um, having never been there, if I'm a, somebody who's thinking about going to Taiwan, yeah. what would you all recommend that I see as a first time visitor? Alex, you want to? Have you been to Taiwan? I should ask that first. Uh, yes, uh, I'm sorry, I got cold a little bit. Oh, okay. Yes. Then I'm glad yeah. you're in Diamond Bar, <laughs> not in studio. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yes, I have been there once. Uh, I stayed very short, only about five nights. Mm. Okay. Only in Taipei, in the north part. Is ta- um, Taipei is the capital capital yes. of City. Taiwan? Yeah. Okay. Yes, and uh, yeah, I, I I do have very good impression over there uh, because I do travel. I traveled so many countries in you know areas you know destinations in the world. Taiwan is pretty one of the most unique, especially to me. You know because I'm from northern part of China, and um, uh, because of the you know the relationship between and Taiwan is kind of you know complicated. And right now it. Uh, when I grew up as a teenager, Taiwan did give us lots of uh, uh, culture impact, especially the singers and movie stars all from there. Okay, now so, I, uh, this is something I want to hear about when we come back. Alex, we got to go to a commercial break. When we come back, let's pick wonderful. up right there. Uh, I'd love to do that. We're going to go top of the hour with you all, gang. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Peter Isaac, I'll give you five bucks if you can name that singer and you're hearing in your ears. Do you know? Oh, <laughs> both of your gay cards are revoked. That's Dolly Parton. <laughs> Look her up. Dolly Parton. That's Dolly Parton. Gang, we're talking to Peter and Isaac, two of our new friends who are here from Taiwan. And we also have Alex on the line calling in from that exotic city called Diamond Bar. Alex, you still there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Hi. All right. I hope you feel better, Isaac. Uh, we were just talking in studio. Apparently, there's a gay pride is happening in Taiwan in October. Yes. Why October? Is there a reason, October? Well, Taiwan is an island that is subtropical. I think that, yeah, the last weekend of October is not too hot, not too cold. It's just perfect season to visit Taiwan. Right. That's a good time to see Taiwan. And you guys were telling me during the break there's a hot springs there, hot springs for people to go... Uh to go, it's like a you know like live human body museum. Uh, yeah, get the grinder number three. <laughs> there you go. That's what will be happening all over Taiwan. The and because we receive that uh, culture kind of like from Japan, so it's usually that you have to be totally naked to yeah, yeah go in there, and so then you have all kinds of like. All kinds of men, all kinds of boys. So, it's, you know, it's not because I, I got to tell you, um, as somebody, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of the world, you yes. know, and I've seen like Russia and I've seen I'm Beijing sure. and I've seen most of Europe and South America. But uh, a lot of uh, Asia is just a part of the world I haven't really seen much of. I've only been to Beijing. I've never seen Tokyo. Uh-huh. I've never been to Manila. I've never been to Singapore. I've never been to Taiwan. I don't know why. It just never occurs to me. But from what you're telling me, it's I got to go. Yeah, yeah, please, please. Yeah. It's the most like gay-friendly destination in Asia now. Why? Why uh, is Taiwan so far ahead of Japan? I, I would think Japan would be taking the lead. I mean, <laughs> why did Taiwan go first on legalizing same-gender marriage? Uh, I think because uh, okay, uh, we have almost the highest percentage of high people of high education in Taiwan, mm. and now you have more than sixty percent of younger generation. They are four. Uh, same-sex marriage. Mm. So in order to get the votes from this younger generation, the government also, yeah, think it's about the right time that because the education is already there. And people think that's based on human rights. Yeah, you know, education will go a long way for uh, tolerance and acceptance. Yes. <laughs> that is the pathway. All right, now here's the million-dollar question. Isaac, I'm going to ask you because you're the shy one. How did you two meet? Uh, you've been together 10 years. How did you guys meet? So should I tell you the truth? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. The PG truth. <laughs> it's supposed to be a one-night stand. Yeah, a one-night stand. Met in we know nothing about that in West Hollywood. Nothing about that. <laughs> of course we know about that. Yeah. What, what does that mean? <laughs> How many gay bars are in uh, Taipei? Are there lots of gay bars in Taipei? Oh, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there's uh, this district called the... Uh, uh, Westgate, Honglo District. Okay, over there you have at least gay bars over there. Outdoors, indoors, and all kinds of different themes. Hmm. Those ones with dark rooms, those ones where that you're drinking just... <laughs> all yeah. you can drink. Yeah. All you yeah. can drink. Yeah. yeah, that's a point. Yeah. So you guys met. It was supposed to be a one-night stand, and 10 years later, you're still here. 10 years later, we are uh, happily <laughs> married couple. So that means you got separate rooms. I get it. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I'm just kidding about that. Actually, that one is then just not only one night. Actually, until the 
it led Next to the second morning, night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very detailed. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you don't have to get. I'm just curious. So you both came from Taiwanese families. Was there a lot of pressure on you to marry a woman and have children? I mean, that's a pretty strong influence in the Asian community, right? Yeah, my, in my generation, is not so strong now. Yeah. Not so strong as it was. Huh? My family was harder because um, my father's side is like Catholic for generations. My mom's side is Protestant for Your generations. Your dad was Catholic? Well, that's my Spaniards. That's my Spanish people's <laughs> impact. You're welcome. You're welcome for all the saints. <laughs> yeah. And But then now, it's like, yeah, through like... Um, Education. I, I brought my mom to like gay pride in Taiwan and to let her know, see, those people, they're nice people. They're not what your church is telling you. Right, right. Yeah, and now my mom is a super big supporter of the gay rights. That yeah. is so, so awesome. I've told this story before. Jason's heard it probably 16 times, but when uh, I came out in 1979, so I have been out a very long time, right? They just legalized homosexuality in California mm-hmm. when I came out, and I, my mom was one of the first to know. She became very active in PFLAG, and all the oh, Latina yeah. mothers in East L.A. would say, weren't you worried or upset when you found out that John was gay? Uh-huh. And she says, no, I was worried when his brother Tony told me he was a Republican. That upset me. <laughs> I said, okay, that's my mom. And that, that's oh. how she came along. Uh, uh, Alex, since I got you on the phone, if somebody was uh, going to visit uh, Taiwan, what should be the other stops? I mean, because uh, if you're going to get to that part of the world, you should make a few stops and just put them all together, Yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's true. Uh, Taiwan carries lots of you know, uh, you know, iconic char- characters of Chinese history. Um, if you study the, the history, you may see uh, uh, after the war in uh, between you know the mainland of China and Japan in 1894, then Taiwan was taken by Japan. So they managed Taiwan for 60 years. Uh, 60 years. Uh, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong. So Taiwan did uh, get lots of you know traditions from Japan, especially like the uh, hot spring you know we mentioned. So that's one of the character. I mean, the interesting stuff we need <coughs> to experience if you go to Taiwan to travel. And besides Taiwan, uh, uh, Taiwan is a, is an island, pretty you know um, uh, with uh, 23 million people. So. And as one of the most, the first, uh, you know, uh, uh, destination legalized gay marriage, I'm sure Taiwan is going to play a very important role in the future in LGBT travel mm. because of the people's, you know, um, um, very friendly over there and uh, also because of the law. So it's very safe, you know, to travel. I'm sure Taiwan is going to, you know, have lots of um, LGBT travelers in the near future, especially after this program. You know, I have been on uh, the West Hollywood City Council for almost 20 years, been mayor of West Hollywood four separate times, and I got to be there for the ribbon cutting of the LGBT Center in Beijing. And uh, that was a pretty important moment, I I think, for the people who live in Beijing and in China to have an LGBT center. But you said things are getting complicated. And I got to tell you, I think Donald Trump is just making it more complicated every day between the tariffs and uh, what he's doing to the world economy. And I mean, it's just really impacting us. But uh, I mean, is that what you meant by things getting complicated in, in China? 
Yes, uh, right now China is, you know, the mainland of China is trying to develop their economy. And uh, lots of Americans, especially like Trump, think, you know, they're going to take over the number one uh, leading position pretty soon. So that's why I think they're trying to push, you know, China back a little bit. But um, China, of course, it has, you know, it really developed very dramatically in the last 30, 40 years. And uh, uh, let's come back to the LGBT topic. And, you know, I'm uh, somehow is one of the committee members in PFLAG China. So it's lots of people cannot believe there is a PFLAG China, uh, you know, PFLAG something in China. But actually, it developed very good. It helped lots of families. Right now, and uh, um, just like you mentioned PFLAG, that's why it, ma- it made me think about this as well. And the Chinese, there are like 70 million people, LGBT people in China, in mainland. Think about it. That so the number is very big. And uh, <coughs> when we think, when we, last year we heard about the Taiwan, you know, the LGBT ma- community can get married. Everybody in China, mainland of China, was so happy for them. Yeah. That's why we also organized another group from mainland of China this October to go into Taipei for the parade to celebrate with them. Well, I'm going to figure out if I can get some time off and join you all. That would be wonderful to be in Taipei for Pride in October. I would love that. we got to take another uh, commercial break. But Alex and Diamond Bar, I want to thank you for joining us. Peter and Isaac in studio, thank you guys for coming. They're both gorgeous. I hope to see Taipei. And then I'll hear the really uh, sordid details of the first night you met, right? Okay. (laughs) Thanks, gang. When we come back, we'll be talking to the Sex Workers Outreach Project. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. I just love that song. I'm going to let it play a little longer, Jay. <laughs> I'm too sexy with them. That's because we've got the sexy William West Sigmiller. That's right. Uh, Thank in you. studio mm. from SWAP. West is uh, uh, with uh, Sex Workers Outreach Project. You're the political organizer. I, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm blowing your title here. Something like that. <laughs> sex Workers Outreach Project. We're a peer-based sex worker support organization, so we all wear many hats. Okay. You've got a panel coming up in West Hollywood next week what, what are you guys doing yeah that's right um, so West Hollywood City uh, um, is partnering with Swap LA to host a sex worker panel discussion in Town Hall on Thursday August 29th from 7 to 9 p.m. at City Council Chambers and the reason we're really getting this together is um, I think after um, the death of Jamel Moore and Timothy Dean um, in the home of Ed Buck West Hollywood really did a lot of soul searching about Um, the circumstances that may have made those guys vulnerable. Um, And so it's really just time for us all to come together and talk about ways we can make sex workers safer. You know, because uh, we uh, have a national audience, they may not be familiar with this particular case, but the the case was involved uh, two guys that uh, apparently were 
African-American sex workers, right? Yeah, or something that, like that, yeah. That, uh, that ended up uh, with Mr. Buck and then uh, mysteriously passed away in his apartment. Uh, and, th- and then rest, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> rest, who knows? Sure. Um, so I, I know that uh, historically there's been a stigma attached to people who are sex workers like you're uh, you know everybody's dirty little secret or something people don't want to talk about absolutely but we're a essential part of the fabric of any community especially a town like west hollywood you know where we're a party town like people come here to um you know find community and part of that is sex workers yeah yeah and that includes what I mean, not only sex for money, but it does include strippers. Does it include uh, pole dancers? Does Good it include question. porn stars? Does it all of these things? <laughs> Are they all considered sex workers? Yeah, that's a good question. So, sex work doesn't necessarily have to include, you know, having physical sex for money. Um, anything from exotic dancers to full service sex workers, escorts, that sort of thing, as well as like go-go boys, people that do work online like cam work. Um, they can all fall under the umbrella of sex workers because we all, uh, whatever whatever type of work you're doing in the sex industry, we all experience a type of stigma um, and that makes us vulnerable to violence and difficulty getting other types of employment, etc. All right. Now, I know that in 49 of the 50 states, sex worker, maybe let's call it acts of prostitution, are illegal. Mm. Mm. Nevada being the one exception, and I think Clark County being the exception within Nevada. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, so I mean... First of all, I thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> Second of all, thank you to whoever panelists show up because it's it's tough when you know that the work you may be engaging in is criminalized or against the law uh, wherever you you live, right? Yeah, I think what you're getting at is um, the difficulty of org- of doing. <coughs> pardon me, the difficulty of doing this type of. Um, this type of organizing with you know a actively criminalized population. I think we see the same thing. Um, uh, to a different extent in like the undocumented community, it's a challenge to get people to organize when uh, putting themselves out there makes them vulnerable. Right. Now, violence, um, you know, and a lot of this, I, uh, I have to rely on my criminal defense practice because I, you know, besides being part-time council member, occasional mayor of West Hollywood, I'm also a criminal defense lawyer, so I do represent people who get arrested for prostitution, lewd conduct, all the sex-related crimes. And we love you for it. <laughs> and you love me for it. Thank you. And, and I know that historically a lot of my clients have been subjected to violence, um, by their johns, sometimes women mm-hmm. by their pimps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see male uh, sex workers having pimps as as much as readily as women. Is yeah. that true? By the way, yeah, I think that you're. Um, that's very astute observation. The dynamics. So I'm a former male sex worker, so I can speak to this a little bit personally. Um, but yeah, the dynamics with male sex workers are. Um, they're a little bit different, certainly. Um, we don't get kind of caught up in these human trafficking stings that happen all over the country, including in L.A., mm-hmm. um, where we have... L.A. actually has the worst um, prostitution arrests in the country. And a lot of that is under this human, this anti-human trafficking effort, um, where in order to, you know, uh, in order to help actual survivors of human trafficking, um, law enforcement does these massive stings where who really gets caught up in it are sex workers that you know aren't trafficking victims but 
Yeah. So unfortunately, um, the people that are most affected by that are actually black women, like in South LA and at Long Beach. Um, uh, but for male sex workers, the types of uh, the types of harms that we face in our work are a little bit different. It's more about um, it's more about uh, violence from police. It's more just fear of arrest. Um, there's also in in West Hollywood, you can see um, there's a real intersection with the uh, substance using population and sex work. You know, uh, people hire sex workers when they want to party, when they're doing hard drugs. And no, you know, I'm not trying to shame people like that, but it's just like another element of risk that male sex workers uh, particularly face. Yeah, and, and if you're participating in the drug use, then of course there's HIV and STIs as the other extra added layer of fun on top of, <laughs> on top of all that. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, with SB233... Um, what, is, what is that, SB233? Sure. Let's back up. So SB233 is a bill um, that was just signed by the governor, and it's going to go into effect January 1st, That's 2020. Here in California. Yep. Here in California. Okay. So what it does, the first piece is it gets rid of condoms as evidence um, for solicitation so that's a really commonly used thing that cops use when they're basically profiling someone on the street right um, if they, they search the bag and if they find condoms in somebody in a sex worker's bag there's an evidence of criminality rather yeah. than just protection and safety yeah absolutely and they use that very regularly in the cases so um, you know we want to make it we want to make it as safe as possible for people in the sex industry and the sex trade to protect themselves from STDs. Mm -hmm. um, so a good thing about this law is that it, it strikes that off the, off the books as evidence. But the second piece of SB 233 is that I think is the most significant is it grants uh, people in the sex trade um, immunity from arrest when they are a victim or reporting um, a violent crime. So Basically, what that means is if someone is, you know, a sex worker, they're like on a job and they're uh, attacked or they're harassed, stalked, or they witness someone else being hurt like that, they can go to the police if they so choose to report the crime with and they know that they will not be arrested um, for prostitution at the time of the event. Right. So it gives them a form of uh, qualified immunity that they can come forth as a sex worker, tell the police what happened, what the eyewitness, and not feel they would be subjected to arrest for reporting a far more serious violent felony. Yeah, they, exactly. They've been part of or seen. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's that goes into that's a good example of how to really prevent human trafficking. Right. Nobody cares about ending human trafficking more than sex workers because we're the ones that are vulnerable to being exploited, being coerced into things. Um, you know, sex work is a continuum, and on one far end of the continuum is human trafficking. All right. So you can see that there are some women, like primarily from Asia, who end up getting trafficked here, brought here for the purpose of being young, sometimes underage, and being exploited mm -hmm. by men who would pay to have sex with them. Right? Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, human trafficking, it, it happens domestically. It's not just with foreign nationals, but certainly with um, foreign national people, uh, the criminalization of sex work really impacts them because even without a conviction, if you are an immigrant and you even get charged with prostitution or anything of any kind of crime of moral perpetuity they call it that's grounds for um for deportation so when we talk about um uh rights not rescue we're really talking about 
the immigrant community because they're the most impacted by the criminalization. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine scenarios, and I've seen scenarios, where young women, primarily women, who are underage or just barely 18, are brought here from Asia, from South America, from Latin American countries, mm-hmm. told they're going to be given a job or an opportunity here in America, end up doing sex work. Then they get a criminal conviction, which mm-hmm. then prevents them from being able to successfully immigrate. It becomes a catch-22. Yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult situation when yeah. someone's trying to build a life here and I think in a lot of situations like at massage parlors where people are afraid that there might be human trafficking going on what might actually be going on is a form of labor exploitation rather mm. than sex trafficking mm-hmm. but those are distinctions that we're working on right now great we're, we guys when we come back we're going to keep talking to Wes Sigmiller about SWAP and what they're doing with sex workers thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q I love this song, Jason. <laughs> I could listen to the whole six minutes of this song. I love it so much. Okay, that is from Moulin Rouge, and of course, it's about a man who is struck with incredible jealousy and envy and rage and anger over his uh, girlfriend. Uh, not being with him in any way. Anyway, he basically calls her a prostitute and a whore. It's basically ah, what, the, what that song is about. Based he, on a true story. Based on a true story. Yeah, and actually, that's why Nicole Kidman played uh, the Jewel of the Night. What was her character? The Diamond in the Brust? Or, no, that's Aladdin. <laughs> anyway, she was uh, she was a, a sex worker. Basically, right. she portrayed a sex worker in Moulin Rouge mm-hmm. who fell in love. Yeah, yeah, sex, yeah, I mean, sex workers. We got a long and storied history, for sure. We've uh, we've uh, changed the course of nations, Jezebel, and empires. Uh, Mary Magdalene. It's so true throughout time. Yeah, better watch out. <laughs> there was a great movie about the courts in New York City developing. Um, uh, programs in the courts. What was the name of the movie again? Uh, Blowing Up. Blowing Up. Yeah. Tell, tell the listeners what the movie was about. Yeah, so it was basically just about um, a, a essentially a prostitution diversion court um, that has been in operation in New York for a couple of years. Um, and it was sort of under the auspices of this like um, human trafficking victims special court. But in effect, it basically allowed anyone that was in the sex trade to... Um, you know, vacate their charges, go into programming to avoid um, another, you know, their criminal record stacking up. So it was, it's an interesting, it's an interesting model um, that they have those types of courts in New York, but it's not perfect. And here in LA, we really don't have anything even approaching something like a, a special diversion court. Um, but there are some emerging efforts in LA to get some um, diversion programming that's available to sex workers. Is that happening in other cities around the country? Do you know? San Francisco looking for some diversion programs or do you know what's happening around the country? Yeah, well, I mean, all around the country, um, we're seeing a we're seeing increased arrest for prostitution again under this anti-human trafficking effort that's happening on the national level. Um, after FOSTA SESTA passed a couple of years ago, basically what that that was a federal law um, that basically made internet service providers um, legally accountable for any kind of human trafficking, aka any kind of sex work going on on their platform. So it effectively shut down a lot of the advertising platforms that sex workers use, like Backpage. Um, uh, etc. So that really pushed the whole industry around the country uh, further underground and increased like street-based sex work and just made the sex industry um, more um, dangerous for sex workers. So there's been efforts in different jurisdictions around the country to sort of remedy um, 
this crisis situation we're in on a national level. Yeah. When you think about it, you've got this very toxic brew of issues mm-hmm. all in one right. little bit barrel, right? You've got criminalization. Mm-hmm. You've got HIV and STDs. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, money. You've got people who have got immigration issues. You've got homelessness. You have addiction and alcoholism. You've got mental health mm-hmm. challenges. And you're throwing that all together and just letting this population of people um, be arrested or institutionalized mm-hmm. or suffer without addressing any of the underlying issues. Yeah, it's really, it's hard to address. I mean, and homelessness is a good example. Like, you really can't address the homelessness crisis unless you address all of these other um all these other issues that inform why people find themselves in that circumstance to begin with. So, you know, with the, so I have to admit, I'm, my dream ticket is a Warren Sanders ticket. (laughs) Um, But, but unfortunately, both of those, both of those candidates were, um, very uh, instrumental in the passing of FOSTA-SESTA, which was bad legislation a couple of years ago. What was it? I don't know what that is. So FOSTA-SESTA was the anti-human trafficking legislation uh, that shut down Backpage and all of that. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so they, you know, they don't have a great record with sex worker issues. Shut down Backpage, but also shut down Craigslist, right? The whole idea of sex on the internet? Would they go yeah. after that too? Yeah, it shut down also the websites that sex, FOSTA-SESTA shut down the websites that sex workers use to vet their clients. Man um, for man and massage for men and things like yeah, that. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, even though Sanders and Warren both were involved in the passing of that legislation, um, I feel like their economic plans, even though they're, they haven't come out necessarily in support of, de- of sex work decriminalization, and I wish that they would, and we're going to work them work to, de- to get there eventually, um, their overall economic plans to address things like housing security, health care, um, just poverty in general, like those sorts of upward mobility initiatives like will improve the lives of people that are yeah. in the sex trade. Yeah. You know, I look at uh, criminal justice reforms of past. I mean, there are some mm-hmm. models here. Uh, right. Let's use marijuana as one, cannabis. So at one time, you know, in the 60s, if you were caught with a joint, you would go to prison. I mm-hmm. mean, for just having any amount of marijuana. Slowly over time, and primarily because of the AIDS epidemic, there became medicinal uses, and suddenly it was being used for medical purposes. Mm-hmm. And then slowly over more time, eventually it became recreational. Now we're in a place where marijuana is largely legalized around the country. But to go from criminalized to decriminalized, there were so many small steps that right. had to occur in between. Right. And I think that's probably going to be the case uh, with this particular issue. Because uh, it's been cr- the, uh, these good liberals that you brought up, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie <laughs> Sanders, I mean, they were voting for that anti trafficking law because they thought they were there to protect victims. Uh-huh. But they cast the net too wide. They cast the net much too wide. Exactly. And ended up snaring in a lot of people who have now been caught up in a system they shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. And, you know, sex workers, the sex worker, if you want to see it as like, the issue but it's really people and it's such an intersectional thing like when you uplift sex workers you are getting to issues of racial inequity um you know uh, poverty all of these things um social upward social mobility um so i mean it's gonna take piecemeal little pieces of legislation like SB 233 is really significant that we got that passed. It's just a really basic set of protections. But I think if people are giving lip service to, you know, wanting to uplift, uplift black people, poor people, all these marginalized communities, you have to look at the sex worker issue.
If people want more information about the West Hollywood event or the work you're doing, you have a website, place to direct them. Where would you send them? Yeah, check out uh, Swap LA, so S-W-O-P-L-A.org. You can also check us out on Instagram, Swap LA. And again, our town hall is going to be at City Council Chambers in West Hollywood, Thursday, August 29th at 7 p.m. And I'm going to be there. That's right. And you're going to be there. Yeah, this yeah. was your initiative, bro. Yeah, well, I, I, okay, I didn't want to say that. I'm trying, uh, But yes, I care about this very deeply. Yeah. All right, Wes, thank you for coming by and joining us again. Always love having you as a guest. I love being on Sidebar. Best <laughs> show on, on the radio. Look at that. There's a plug. There's a plug. Gang, when we come back, it'll be my closing rant. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Channel Q. All right, gang. Well, it's been an incredible day. Jared Hill's coming up next, and I hope you stay tuned and listen to him because he's always got a fun show, and he's going to be popping in in just a second to chat and ramble with me. But before he comes in to chat and ramble, I'm going to ramble for a second because I imagine some of you may be thinking, all right, Durand, what is with you focusing on all the sex workers all the time? And all right, let's talk about that for just a second, okay? Let's not forget at one time in this country's history, all 50 states, homosexuality was criminal. Under the criminal statutes, we could be prosecuted, arrested, detained for simply thinking homosexual thoughts, holding somebody's hand, kissing in a public place. Those were all the bases for criminalization, and people got registered as sex offenders in their 20s and their 30s for the mere act of holding hands or kissing a partner in a gay bar. That's where we came from, right? Let's not forget, you know, Stonewall and Cooper's Donuts and the Black Cat. We're all about police coming in and arresting people for their sexuality. Let's start there, gang. That is at our base. That is at our foundation. We now have a community of people out there, sex workers, many of them who are doing the, in, uh, the trade for survival. Some of them, this is the only way they eat. This is the only way they pay rent. Some of them are immigrants. Some of them are undocumented. Some of them, this is the only way in which they stay in this country. So let's not get judgmental on people who are now being criminalized for the work in which they are participating in. The LGBT community, you cannot honor the cute gay porn stars one day, who, by the way, tune in, they're escorts, that's how they make their money. They're not only making porn, they are escorts making money on the side in cities all over. You cannot hold them up as somebody to be idled and worshipped and look down your nose at the transgender woman who is walking on Santa Monica Boulevard just trying to pay her rent or get food for the week, right? Let's not go there. We are not going to be judgmental. We're going to get in there with the sex worker community and make sure that they have dignity, that the stigma it dissolves, that they're free from violence, free from discrimination and welcomed into this community. And that's why you need to be at the West Hollywood Forum next Thursday while we're going to have a panel all about sex workers. Jared Hill has walked in. I'm through rambling now, girl. You want to talk about sex? I, well, you want to, let's talk about sex. No, I think it's a, I think it's such an important point because uh, so many folks within community um, are doing sex work, whether they it's because they want to or because it's for survival. But I also always find there's this interesting juxtaposition with Republicans because it's always like a conservative group that's like really fighting against this. And even some on the left, right? Right on center left, um, but 
Republicans are always the ones that are talking about individual freedom and being right. able to have autonomy and all that. But then they're the first ones to come after sex workers or the first ones to come after abortion rights and the first ones to come after individuals when they're doing something that's non-Christian, yeah. that is not you know seen as conservative or, or wholesome or moral um, from their perspective. So uh, it's always an interesting conversation for me uh, to, to discuss this with like Republican folks yeah. because I just don't get the, the Ask cognitive about dissonance. Vegas showgirls. Vegas showgirls, they will put on a pedestal. Oh, aren't yeah, they beautiful? Sure. How do you think they're doing? Yeah, well, Besides being dressed up in feathers well but like and there's i mean there's all all of them probably have a, a, an affinity for porn right like that's sex work right yep. and you know and escorts and things like that as you as you mentioned earlier on so um it's it's an interesting cognitive dissonance to have such an issue but then i also look at it from the perspective of how many anti-gay republicans that we have or people on the right i, I won't identify them all as republicans that turn out to be gay right like there's a right. study that came out saying like the most homophobic people are gay <laughs> tend yeah. to be gay so um, it's a, it's an interesting situation. Yeah, and I think, you know, our last guest, Wes Sigmill, he draw a really important line, and that is that, yes, there's human trafficking that occurs. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are women who are brought here from other nations who are then trafficked sure. into doing this against their will. Uh, you know, that's a little different than people who are participating it with their own will in mind. It's a very different, important distinction. Absolutely. And figuring out, you know, what to fight and what to just leave be. Yeah, just absolutely. Leave, just absolutely. leave be. So it should be fun. You know, I always love the people on the right who always get so worked up about sex are usually the first ones to get arrested in a restroom in an airport, Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Tapping their foot underneath a bathroom stall. There or, you go. Or Senator Larry Craig in an airport. Idaho. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm fascinated by Republicans um, and their perspective on the world, especially like Trump supporting Republicans. This week, earlier uh, in the week, we had Matthew Craffey on, who's the president of the Law Cabin Republicans of, of California, and and talking to them about their support of Donald Trump, their endorsement of him this, this go-around. It's, it's hard. And then, you know, the day after he comes out and lies and said he got an award from the Republicans, and then, then and then they're talking about how you know they're fighting for uh, taking away. Uh, the discrimination um, language that would that would protect uh, LGBTQ people. So, right. I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time understanding Republican thought a lot, but especially yeah. when it comes around uh, issues like this. Well, you know, the press release, log cabin release. That one of the points was, and we got a tax break. That <laughs> exactly. is the point. That is what they are celebrating. Well, and we had that that conversation with Matthew, and he listed all of these different things that were the reasons that he supported him. But I was like, but you guys are the log cabin Republicans. You guys are the gay, L- the LGBTQ right. group. Like, but you know that he's like devastated in this community, especially when we talk about trans folks, especially when we talk about, you know, the military and housing and just the myriad ways that that's that that's problematic. Yeah. What's coming up on your show next? We've got a lot going on. I I, as I was just uh, coming into the studio, I saw a headline that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been treated for pancreatic cancer. And you and I were talking about that while the the music was playing. I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus, be a a steady (laughs) hand and some patience. So uh, we're going to check in on that. Um, We're we're having a Trump free Friday. Like we're not going to talk about Donald Trump as best we can. Okay. As much as as one can, right? <laughs> um, we're, we've got some exciting entertainment stories. There's a, a hilarious story of a woman who was supposed to be hooking up with a man. He texts her at four o'clock in the morning. She comes over. He falls asleep. And she ends up burning his house down because she's not having it. So we're going to talk about that. Not exactly sex work in the same way you were discussing. Who hasn't thought about doing that? (laughs) Exactly, right? You know, that's when you're really pissed off. Um, So uh, we'll be talking about that and a whole lot of other things. Um, Allie Johnson, my co-host, is actually out today. She's filming a pilot for the the show that she's been working on for a year and a half. So we're really excited for her. Uh, So Shark Jossel, entertainment reporter, um, is one of our faves on the show. So she's going to be filling in uh, and chatting with us. So yeah, it's going to be a good show. Awesome. Well, gang, stay tuned in for uh, Jarrett and Shada. They're coming up. 
next. Thanks for tuning in with me. Next week, I'm going to have somebody who's been working with LGBT refugees from Kenya to Mexico uh, coming on the show talking about LGBT refugees around the world. Thanks for tuning in to Sidebar with John Duran.